So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle Podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Chris Geis. Today is April 3rd, 2019, and this is episode number six. So I have two very special guests tonight, Eugene and Shauna Sanderson, both from New Jersey, and they are very active participants and uh, a big part of the Women Riders World Relay, which I'm going to from here on out refer to as Werwer, and I know, I, I, I think, right, I don't know who started that. I don't know if that was, Shauna's shaking her head like, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know who I don't know who first used that. Was it Haley Bell that that founded the relay, or I actually think it was Liza 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 Miller, Miller from Motorcycles and Misfits podcast because she's probably talking about it all the time, and it's like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna call it where we're. So it it works. I think that's really cool. So for anyone who's not familiar with where we're. Uh, I did do an interview in the last episode, episode five, with Sarah Worthy-Lake, who is a global moderator and U.S. Ripple Relay Coordinator for Werwer. So you can certainly listen to that, that episode just to get all the details of Werwer and what it's all about. And that episode has links to the Werwer website and the Facebook page if you, you know, want to get details that we don't cover tonight. Uh, but we're going to kind of get into the aspects of uh, Shauna and, and Eugene's involvement with, uh, with Werwer. But, um, so before we do that, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast is I started writing about three years ago. I love it. And I just want to do what I can to get more people involved in motorcycles and riding motorcycles. So one of the things I like to do is just talk to people about their experience, you know, what they ride, how they got started. So I figured we'd, we'd start out with that. So you, can, you guys can flip a coin and decide who wants to answer first or just kind of jump in however. But so what, what bikes are you guys uh, riding now? Um, well, first off, Chris, thanks for having us here. Um, oh, my pleasure. Last week's episode with Sarah was amazing. Um, she but- was great. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. We had it just talking about everything, like her bike, and she was talking about, you know, how she dropped her boyfriend's bike <laughs> like yes. when she was first learning to ride. So, yeah. I mean, really, who hasn't dropped their boyfriend's bike at yeah. some point? <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment, right, Eugene? <laughs> um. But as far as what I'm currently riding, I actually got an amazing surprise coming home from work today. Um, Ah. Yeah, it pulled in the driveway and my new Thunder, well, it's an old Thundercat, but my new Thundercat was sitting on the front yard running. Um, Awesome. We've been working on it through the entire winter um, so that I could have a bigger bike to ride this season. So that's why we met up with you a little bit later tonight than expected, because I absolutely had to take it for a test ride. Oh, actually, I would have been mad if you didn't take it for a test ride. <laughs> so that's, that, that's really cool. That's really cool. So I, there's probably a whole story be- behind that, and maybe we'll even do another imp- episode if you guys want. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that project. So that, that's really cool, especially that it was running when you came home. Nice. Yeah, that was. we were up late until about one last night. Um, rebuilding the carbs and doing some other things on it and then we got it fired and yep ready to roll today when i got home from work because somebody worked on it all day for me oh wow cool well done man (laughs) so is that going to be kind of your main ride now 
It is, yeah. I'll be retiring my Ninja 250 that I rode last season. Oh wow, gotcha. And how about how about you, Eugene? What are you what are you riding now? Well, actually, yeah. I I know you have a few bikes in the garage, but is there like one you ride most of the time? Yeah, Triumph Speed Triple uh, 955i. It's my baby. I put a lot of work into that too. It's a nice. I guess you can call it vintage. It's a 2000. But I okay. love it. The first hooligan bike. Wow, nice. Is that it's so funny. Like to think. Like it makes me feel old, right? You talk about like a two thousand bike is vintage, but you're, you're right. Like it's <laughs> almost twenty twenty, right? It's like, wow. Like it's fuel injected too, so a lot of bikes oh, wow. thousand are fuel injected. I yeah. think fires up beautifully. Nice. Was that like the first year it was fuel injected? Oh man, I don't even. I don't think so. Maybe. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Probably ninety eight. I mean, I don't know. I. I really, I'm not sure on that. Okay, that's fine. Well, that that's the beauty of Google. That's an easy thing. Yeah, <laughs> easy thing to do. But but I'm not going to say the magic Google phrase because my phone will wake up again if I do that. <laughs> so, so uh, what what else do you have in the garage? I know we talked a little bit the other night, and it sounded like you got quite a few bikes. Yeah. Uh, well, she's now got one of the three YZF 600 Thundercats. Uh, I have another one that's a track bike. And another one that I was pretty much using for parts for my track bike, but it became parts for her Thundercat so she can ride now. So I'm pretty much all out of a parts bike. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it, it was the donor the donor bike? Yeah. But it went yeah. to a good cause. <laughs> we have two 250 Ninjas, uh, a Suzuki Katana, 74 CB200, and a couple other bikes in there. Buddies of mine, I got a ZR750. Suzuki SV650 and some 80cc two strokes. Mm, okay, good. Sounds like a it nice, looks, uh, nice collection. Than that, yeah. If you go out there, <laughs> gotcha. A lot of bikes in there. What, what year is the Katana? Oh, 98. It's got it's 90 yeah. something, it's late 90s. Okay, you like do you like that vintage bike? Like, kind of that? Well, it, I just like whatever's cheap on Craigslist, and I can just rebuild right. it, and fix it up, and make it cool. More power to you, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I have not gone down that path yet. I, I would love to start wrenching on bikes. It's just combination combination of time and whatever. I just really haven't gotten yeah. to it yet. Plus, honestly, don't really have the space. You know, we have a one-car detached garage, which is kind of, I, I guess it's like a third filled up with my tools and stuff, a third with kind of junk we need to sell. And then we've got three bikes in there. So it's it's pretty packed. Not much room to much work on anything. Around the bike. Yeah, we have like a pretty blessed on that we got like an 800 square foot detached i call it a warehouse but big big garage and uh it's the reason we bought the house yeah Mm -hmm. literally did a walk through and i walked through the house and went right out to the garage and said we'll take it sold (laughs) yeah we had to come back for a second walk through that's the way that's the way to do it that's awesome i know uh gina has a friend who's got i don't know how big it is it might be that size maybe a little bigger it's like a aluminum kind of building that also was there on the property when they bought the house but it's it's almost like two-story so he's got like a a lift a full car lift in there he's got a couple cars and a couple bikes and like big shelving units and the whole i was like i saw i was like i was so jealous but (laughs) that's cool okay so uh how long have you guys been riding uh, I've been I've been riding since I was like seven, eight years old. Started out with dirt bikes and quads and everything, and I've owned you name it, whatever two stroke, four stroke was cool at the time, and mopeds. I have tons of them. 
I've legally been riding for the past 10 years, but right, well, we, we, don't, we, we don't have to get into that if you don't want to <laughs> been riding for a long time. And I got my endorsement. We went to the um, MSF course together. So mm -hmm. I've had my endorsement for two, 10 years. Um, oh, okay. I technically didn't start riding for real until last season. I know that one of the one of the tips Liza gave me. She she kind of gave me a couple of questions to throw at you guys, and so she said one of the things to to ask you about was starting riding again after you know having having your kids, and I guess I guess them getting old enough or whatever. Yeah, um, when I got my endorsement, I never really found a bike I felt comfortable on. I'd been through quite a few of them, mm -hmm. and then when we started having children, it was more let's focus on the babies and take care of the babies. Um, and now I, we reached a point where they're a little more self-sufficient. Yeah. So we yeah. can hopefully get out together. Right. Just had this burning desire to get back out on the road. Um, nice. I understand. Yeah. Well, now I understand. It took, it took me 50, whatever, 50 something years to get to it, but now I, 50 but years, there. Yeah. but I got there. Yeah. I'm, I'm slow. What can I say? <laughs> um, how, how old are your kids? We have six year old twins and a two and a half year old. Okay, so not quite old. Well, maybe maybe the twins could start riding something. Are they like on uh, push bikes or something? Or they pedal bicycles pretty oh, okay. well. Um, I'm getting him on his these couple of these little eighty cc's, and the other six year old twin, my daughter, she she has a huge interest in it too. So uh, we'll see. I think by the end of summer they'll both be ripping around on them. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So in, in some number of years, you have uh, the the five will be tooling around i guess yeah okay no, yeah, cool. some point that's the <laughs> have you decided have you decided yet what bikes you're going to build for them uh i don't know we'll be passing down the bikes we have yeah right gotcha okay. <laughs> that that makes sense so so shana so you've been riding again how long now like since you kind of got started again about a year yeah about a year out of here. Okay. Do uh do you guys get much chance to ride together? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes yeah. she'll take a day off of work, and I'm I've been running a general. You're not supposed to tell anybody that. <laughs> I've been running a general contracting <laughs> company, so being the boss, I can I can take days off whenever. So it has, so it has, if she has can get yeah, yeah, if she can get a day off, then we'll go ride together. But uh, it's tough right now because I teach ridiculous amount of weekends so i'm forever doing that so it's not like we can have pop pop watch the kids while we go out for a day on the weekend so right right i got you do uh do you commute a lot on the bike or well for uh, motorcycle safety i do i i ride there but for construction work i can't i gotta drive the car i need tools and everything right. else so. right. and i'm looking to start commuting this summer mm -hmm. when i don't have to drive um the baby to daycare every day right Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen car seats for motorcycles yet. Not yet. <laughs> Although I did see this really outrageous video. I, I have to try to find, I think I put it on my Facebook page. It was a while ago. I have to find it of a couple on a motorcycle with a child look like maybe five years old between the two of them. And the, and the kid was like up under his t-shirt. It was, it was not a cool, like, like it was wow. interesting, but it was just like, like, no, nah, that's not cool. Don't, don't, don't do that kind of stuff. I, that's not, you know, 
I put my kids on the back of my bike and went around a parking lot at like one, two miles an hour just so they could say, oh, I rode on daddy's could, bike with their helmets, but I would never, ever take them out in the street, ever. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So uh, we kind of covered it a little bit, I guess, but so how how did you guys get started? Like Eugene was, what, did your dad ride or? Nah, my been... dad, my dad tried to ride and he fell and broke his collarbone and quit. So, okay. So that was not a good, <laughs> I, good experience. That ended with me picking the bike up off of him saying, are you okay? And that was what, seven, eight years ago? Something like so. that. Yeah. No, I, uh, I grew up in kind of like a woodsy area with a bunch of big sand pits and everybody around rode dirt bikes. So Got when it. I, I had to get in line and get me a bike and start riding with them. I started out on a little mini bike at first, like a little four stroke thing. And then a buddy of mine had a, like a CR 80 for sale and ended up buying it and ripping around on that thing and having fun. So at, since then, yeah, I've been riding. Nice. Yeah. It's been a while. I guess you got a few, a few miles under your belt. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, awesome. The neighbor, it was cool. It was like, like backwoodsy type uh, area in New Jersey. So we just ride on the street all the time it didn't matter yeah. all back roads everything else now you'd probably get locked up in five ten years in prison doing something ridiculous like that right 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 well there's always the good old days yeah that's like my sister and i joke around like when we were kids you know my parents always had station wagons and it was it was like nothing you know you went out to the store or the movie and the kids all piled in the back of the station wagon yeah. the rear yeah. window was open you were sliding around and dad yeah. was taking turns fast and it was you know I, i'm not advocating you know we should have safety and protect the kids and i'm like all for it but it's just funny like how that's changed over the years well in the yeah. car that big like you really didn't think it's a tank whatever hits it, it's going to bounce off of it so that's, that's <laughs> true safe in there. <laughs> that's true but but still you know four kids just like it was like uh like was, billiard balls just like sliding yeah. around the back you know? <laughs> the same yeah. thing it was a lot of fun that yeah. leather seating was it yeah right exactly right the red, red pleather seating <laughs> got nice and hot in the summer yeah <laughs> uh, that's too funny Tries uh, the cars behind us out of the big back window right yep 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 all right, cool. So, uh, so since we we were planning to talk about where we're at least a little bit, maybe maybe we'll move on to that. So, um, so one thing I, I did want to mention just briefly, just for people that are not familiar with where we're, is um, so the, the the woman who founded it, Haley Bell, said she founded it for this reason. She said, "I wanted to ignite a global sisterhood of inspirational women to promote courage, adventure, unity, and passion for biking from all corners of the world." and do something that's never been done before to this scale. My aim is to wow the industry into realizing the global market for women in motorsports and to inspire women worldwide, which sounds pretty cool. That, that's, a, that's a pretty cool mission statement. So, um, so yeah, so I mentioned, you know, last episode I had interviewed Sarah, so that, that, was, that was really good, so definitely people check that out. I did also want to mention that, you know, because of that, the mission statement there, you know, what, what, Haley Bell is talking about. And interestingly, the fact that my girlfriend, Gina, is the one, it's really because of her that I got into writing. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, aside from my interest in just getting people in general to write, it's like, hey, I want to kind of get involved in this thing of helping to get more women, you know, more women writing also. So that, that's <clears throat> one of the reasons I want to do these kind of interviews. And I've been, you know, promoting Werwer as best I can. And also, you know, why I became an official sponsor for Werwer. Because I wanted to, it wasn't a lot, you know, I joined at the, the lowest sponsor level, but I thought it was just a way Everything to kind of help, help financially and, you know, it just kind of feel like I'm contributing. So, so yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Um, 
so I guess first question is, and this is, maybe it's a bit of a big question, but I think that's fine. How, how did you both get sucked into Werewer? And now I say sucked in a good way, right? It's a and, very and, and good way to describe I, it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought maybe because the picture I kind of have is you're like, oh, wow, this thing is like really cool. I would like to help. But like looking and, and, and talking with Sarah and just seeing like the posts on Facebook and whatever, I really and, and just even just messaging back and forth a little with Liza Miller from you know, Misfits and she's very involved in Werewer. I really have gotten the sense of one, like how big this thing is, but two, like how quickly it grew. Like, I don't know if anyone or if even Haley knew like how big this thing was going to explode when, when she came mm -hmm. up with the idea. So I could see how you're like, yeah, we'll help. And then it's like almost, cause I know Sarah, it's almost a full-time job, right? Second job for her. Um, yeah. We had no idea what was going to turn into where we're and what really, how much is going to grow even in the future. I'm part of a women writers group for the USA. And I saw a post about, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we all rode our bikes around the world, passing from woman to woman um, and getting back into riding last season? I, I really embraced that. Um, I saw it as a way to get involved with the motorcycle community. This was on like day two of where we're starting. Okay. So there wasn't even 300 members in the group. Right. And there's like, there's like now 16,000, I think, right? Like, people that yes. follow the Facebook page. There's over 16,000 Facebook members in from day two to four weeks. We had 10,000 members. Wow. And really, I think a, a lot of that growth had to do with the groundwork we laid, trying to make everyone feel welcome, um, really valuing their input and their stories. And that was a huge starting off point for us. There's eight admins across five countries that are organizing everything. There was an original set. Um, you said it was Haley's idea, so obviously she kicked everything off. Um, but it was Sarah, Livy, and I joining up in the first couple days, and then Liza and Michelle joined. Within the first couple weeks, everything, I have no concept of time since we're where. Yeah, it's all a blur. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then we also had Maria from Canada join up. She was one of our mod moderators in the beginning, helping us as we realized that the Facebook group was growing so large that we would never accomplish the relay. We started looking for assistance and Maria joined up as a moderator and did a phenomenal job. So we brought her into the admin fold and we had another moderator, Mar from Spain, who was really showing um, a level of dedication to to the group and understanding where we're. So we brought her in as well. But so there's eight of us over five countries really organizing more or less from the beginning, everything over the world. But then we have a huge team as well. Um, ambassadors from all of our countries, moderators. But nevertheless, yes, absolutely got sucked in. Day <laughs> two. Um, it sounds like a good kind of sucked in though. It really does. Yes, it's amazing. Awesome. So, so Eugene, how, how did you get pulled in? I, well, <laughs> <laughs> so when she, was it kind of like you were like, Hey honey, what could I do to help? Or was it? more or less? Yeah. The, uh, so when she was telling me about it, I was like, wow, it's really cool. And I've always been, uh, I don't know, all for promoting women riding and 
most of it's because I really don't want to cart her around on the back of my bike all the time. <laughs> but so uh, I was like, cool, yeah, I'd build all kinds of weird stuff. So the first thing that popped in my head was like, you know what, if you do this, maybe I can build you guys a really cool baton. Like, I'd, I don't know, I haven't used the lathe since high school, but whatever. I was like, I'll make something cool. Yeah. And then uh, it never really got around to being said and everything. And then started getting closer and closer to the actual uh, the relay. And there's a big piece of PVC. And I was like, well, come on, let me make a really, really cool baton. So then they did. And that's pretty much it. I've been watching from like the sidelines of the whole thing. And they, I mean, they put in so much work. And to talk about it, like a second job. It's more or less their first job. Mm-hmm. The amount of stuff that these girls do like throughout the day it, I had to guess, I mean, my wife alone is between six to nine hours a day just answering social media and everything else and forever flipping to the phone. Thank God I'm here to take care of the kids because everybody would starve. (laughs) (laughs) But the amount of work that goes into it, not just her, I mean, just all of them in general. I mean, I could speak for the main girls that she's forever FaceTiming with all the time, Liza, Maria, Michelle, and everything. They're all my BFFs now. But, uh, they they put in so much damn work for this thing. It's crazy. It's the dedication and the drive for the and it's like changing the future. It's it's nuts. That's I didn't know it was gonna get this big and it got huge. And then out of nowhere they're going to London for stuff. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. yeah I don't, <laughs> I don't think I told him that I joined up until two weeks in when I started realizing maybe quite what I started to do. Because originally I just messaged Haley and I said, hey, I don't have a lot of time. Um, I work a a real full-time job, have three kids, don't have a lot of time, but I love your idea. I want to come help you out. And she was like, sure, sure, love, come on, join up, join up. And then two (laughs) weeks later, I told him, so I might have done a thing. And if we would have only known what what that thing was. but like he said, he's been amazing picking up some of the slack. I definitely have been focusing on putting the phone down during family time, but every other minute I'm working on it. And he's right there cheering me on and helping out to make sure things at home are still running well. That's awesome. I, uh, but, but it, so- it sounds yeah, good. Sorry, Eugene. I'm not part of Warware per se. I'm just like I lend support. Like I can't join because I don't have breasts or or the other yeah. parts. <laughs> but uh I help any way I can and uh like I, building the baton, I guess that was probably the biggest help that I could give. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a huge war war point. Um we are all about empowering and uniting women, but we don't need to tear anyone else down to do that. So I'm both you and Eugene, I think, know that we support the men that support us. Right. And I like we, I like we, that slogan. Like I think that's that's a great way to express these, it. These women are tough as hell. They, they started <laughs> this thing that are ridiculously tough. They don't need men's help. It's good at all. No, but isn't but that that's what's so cool about it, right? Is it's like um I don't know. It's like I, I, I don't know. I guess just how I grew up, and it's not anything particular I can point to, but I, I just always 
you know, considered women as equals. I mean, all people as equals. I mean, it didn't matter race and religion and all that kind of thing. And it's not like I had any particular upbringing, but just kind of the way it was around my household. So yeah, it just, it's just like, I mean, I, you know, Facebook, you know, I'm friends with women and, and, and I see women who, who could run rings around me on a motorcycle and, and that's kind of awesome. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, a, not, it's not embarrassing. It's kind of like, Hey, I guess I got to pick up my game kind of thing. Right. You know? But it's like, man man woman who who cares really it's doesn't like, matter you know, you just have an accomplished right. experienced motorcyclist you know biker it's like that's awesome so yeah reminds me of a story i went to a gym and i was lifting this is a long time ago too but i, was, I don't know what i was bench pressing 110 pounds and i was pretty wore out after like 10 times of pushing the thing up i get off and this girl gets over and throws on like another 100 more pounds and starts banging out <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what the, i'm leaving i'm done right. <laughs> i'm done well, I mean, I think that the ability is ability, you know, skill is skill. So, um, so Shana, what, what's kind of your official title with where we're, I am the executive vice president of oper- operations. Okay. So that sounds like a six figure job. But that's okay. The benefits and the feedback of watching what we're doing is, is well enough payment. Um, we've actually just recently assigned titles because we are considered a community, um, a community interest company in the UK. So we're trying to align ourselves to follow some of those rules. We really all share responsibilities fairly evenly up until very recently I was running our social media. So anything that you saw posted to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram was me. Um, I've luckily handed that off to Sarah. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, But working to help develop some of the content on the website, making sure that our our routes are posted, um, monitoring the Facebook group uh, when able, even though that doesn't get very much attention now, developing documents and organizing and just trying to make sure that all of the work that we're putting into where we're is understandable and it's easy for people to learn about things. I'm sure that anyone on Facebook knows that posts disappear all the time. So really just making sure that everything that we're doing is getting out to our members and that people can find things. And we, we struggle with that, but we're working very hard to improve all of that as well. So it kind of sounds like, so in, in the UK is where we're an, actually like an established company, like like it legally is. an organization, I guess probably Haley had to do that, right? Just yes, that's correct. But, um, okay. We did look at the nonprofit route, but contracts, legalities, etc. It was much harder to go that way in the UK. So what we are is a hybrid of somewhat of a nonprofit and a for-profit company. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then, is there kind of like a U.S. subsidiary? Or, you know, it's like a subsidiary in each country or it's basically just the, okay, that's fine. You don't have to, you don't yeah. have to answer that. <laughs> right now it's, it is just held in the UK. Um, yeah. Everything that we do and the funds that we raise, which presently are, we're just hoping to break even with the costs that have been expended <clears throat> for the event so far, will go back into the company. If we were to create different subsidiaries and we do talk about that regularly, it cost and legality and contract wise, it can get very complicated. I, I could imagine. Yeah. 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 
Um, international business is not a very easy thing <laughs> to learn on the fly. Yeah, sure. But yeah. we're my, trying very hard. My uh, my 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 daytime persona. I I, I do computer programming for a, a global bank, and so I get have some sense of what it's like, you know, for an organization that operates in lots of different. It is not an easy thing, <laughs> you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all learning it very quickly. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So okay, so okay, so you don't have any financial compensation yet, but I mean, it certainly sounds like the 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 other side of it, like the you know what you get in terms of being part of it and and the um just helping people part of it sounds like it's way way worth it oh it's beyond worth it my mind is blown every day the inspiration that's seen in the group um watching the women ride through the countries i mean hitting each country staying on the timeline getting media um highlights in the various countries just everything that all our members are doing and the feedback that we receive is makes every minute worth it. That's awesome. And and honestly, I mean, I would think this will be a, a cool thing to put on your resume. Like when when because seriously, if you if you look at and, and I realize it's not the reason you're doing it or anything, but I mean, you know, what you're doing logistically with a working with a small group of women to manage this worldwide effort, that, that's actually pretty impressive stuff. I mean, I could see someone looking at it going, "Whoa, that's pretty cool," you know. <laughs> I don't really think of it that way on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure when you're, when you're up to your eyelids and whatever, you know, unanswered Facebook messages and stuff. Chris, I don't think these women that started all this are at all human. So, okay. Gotcha. I I hear you, brother. That's, that's even more, that's even more awesome. So, uh, so Shana, are you going to be riding in the main relay for World War? Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Right now, I'm planning to join in the, because of the family, I won't be able to travel to any of the other countries to ride, even though I would love to just yeah. do the whole route. Um, I will be, I'm looking to join in Woodstock, New York, and then um, potentially continue maybe to Minneapolis, <laughs> Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not Minneapolis, Milwaukee. Probably not, though, based on the face that I just got. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, um, it's a podcast, so the listeners couldn't see the face. <laughs> then we both are, fingers crossed, going to be joining the San Francisco to L.A. route. Ooh. Oh, nice. Chris, you're in New York, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, Long Island. Let me drop the kids off at your place. <laughs> You know, I mean, well, I, I can, I can ask Gina. She, she's actually, she's a, you know, she's got three kids of her own. I, I never had kids. Um, but she also, she deals with young kids actually on, on a, she's a monitor on a school bus. So I don't know. Well, well, maybe she'd be up. Well, I don't know. I'm not promising anything, but no, Gina's coming on the ride. Actually, that's a really good point. That's a good point. He's so, joining us. I guess we'll have to, we'll have to find a good qualified babysitter. They're crate trained. You could just stick them in there. <laughs> ah, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's cool <laughs> so, that's so, kidding. no yeah. but um back to the ripple relay because what sarah has done sarah worthy lake has done in the u.s with the ripple relay is phenomenal so i will definitely be joining when it comes up to my area we look to the ripple relays so that we could hit all of the geography we're unable to hit with the world route right. and give people 
a less demanding option. Everybody wants to join. Everybody wants to be able to feel that unity and the passion behind where we're. Unfortunately, not everybody, and me included, can take weeks off work. Um, may not have the means to get to the route. So we look to the Ripple Relays to really include everyone, which is why they're running for an entire year, for the full year of the relay. Um, the Ripple Relay right now in the U.S. really shows what we were hoping the Ripples would show. We're seeing photos coming through of traveling. They started in Key West in February, and they've now made it to Arizona. Wow. And I'm sorry if you ladies made it further than Arizona. That's the last update I saw. Um, <laughs> but everybody is the smiles and the meetups and the friendships that I'm seeing come across through the Ripple Relays is, is just as amazing as the world route. So the, the ripple relays, I guess, will in each country will be concluded by the time that the global relay ends, right? Yes. Yeah. We are looking for those to conclude a little bit earlier than the world route. Right. Um, Barb is our ripple relay manager, and she's done a really good job outreaching to everybody. Our hope is to have all of the representative country flags hanging at our final event. Right. To kind really of like capture a, how everybody is fed in. Kind of Olympics kind of style, I guess. Sort of. Sort of. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let, let's actually talk a little bit about the baton. So I, I mentioned in the last episode, and I have here uh, the, the webpage on the WorWare website where you can actually track the relay live. And my understanding is, so, and, and Eugene, I'm going to ask you details in a minute, but so basically the baton has like a little GPS tracker in it, right? Like a I, little device. I'll actually jump in on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I'll let Eugene handle the technical aspects of the actual baton in case, but we were lucky to have a tracking device donated to us by Bike Track. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if you go to our website, womenridersworldrelay.com and click on um, track the relay or relay live, you yep. can see in almost real time where the relay is at any given time. It actually isn't housed in the baton, okay. which is why Eugene had to specially design a case to hold both the baton and the tracker. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So so I'm looking at the map now. It's a bike trap map, bike track map. Say that three times fast. On the WorWare website. And so according to that, currently the baton is in Greece. Yep. It and, and that's that's updated as a, wait, it Greece yet? It should be in the Republic of North Macedonia. Okay. Gotcha. So maybe I, I guess it's just kind of showing like near Greece. I'm not I'm not that yeah. zoomed into the map. And this says as of 10.03 p.m. So I'm guessing that's probably local time. I believe so. Yeah. OK, cool. All right. So uh, so Eugene, let's talk uh, baton a little bit. And, and and the case, maybe you could just share a little bit about because I, I, I saw actually um, I probably will. I know I posted photos you had sent me of the construction process on my Facebook page. And maybe I'll try to put some on, on my website for the podcast so people can see, but if you could just share a little bit about that whole process, cause it, it looks like you did a beautiful job on the thing and it looks like the fair amount of work went into that. I was, it was a lot of work. I, uh, 
It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. I um and splinters and cuts and yeah, and it <laughs> like ninety percent of it was like literally handmade. I I used the lathe to carve it into like the cylinder, but I hand drilled it and bored it all out and carved everything in it, all the detail, everything else. I hand sanded that whole thing. I don't know how many times to so many different grits to get a nice smooth finish and surface on it. How many coats of epoxy clear coat on it to make it look like glass when I was done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to put anything crazy in it. I wanted it all to be mahogany wood. So I I was going for the whole scroll idea. So I needed it hollow on the inside, but I needed something to hold the paper on the inside. So I carved that dowel by hand and a little cylinder inside. So it's all made out of the same wood and material and everything else. I didn't want really anything crazy outside materials i was trying to make something really cool all made out of one material yeah uh I mean, it was a few nights uh five five, five six days and a few, bunch of hours each time out there in the garage just in my little makeshift area and i mean i have tons of woodworking tools they're just never in the same place all the time they're not set up like a wood shop so right right i, I was working with whatever i had freezing cold out there and a little heater blowing on me <laughs> Well, I'm just <laughs> most of the time just, uh, I hope this works. I hope this works. I don't want to have to redo this. And yeah. so, uh, and like I said, I haven't, I haven't worked with a lathe since high school. I was carving weird stuff in high school on a lathe and turning wood in there, but that was it. And we're at a buddy's house and I knew I was going to build this baton. I was like, Hey, you don't by any chance have a lathe. Do you? He's like, actually I do. In the <laughs> 1930s. <laughs> it's just missing everything. So, <laughs> Like, so if you can fix it, you can use it. He said, he said, you can have it. And so we loaded it up and brought it home and I had a couple spare motors laying around and I don't know, hobbled together all this stuff that I could find. And I started welding a tool rest and everything else for it and whatever, like a toilet bowl flange for a round cylinder thing. So I could put it in there with some <laughs> bifold door wheels. It was crazy, but it all worked out. Nice. And, cool and then uh, when I got done making that, we were going to put it in that i don't even know what to call it um liza you're awesome and um she made (laughs) she made a piece of pvc pipe that i think they're originally going to pass around and liza you're awesome but um i couldn't see them passing around that just to put paper in i was like you guys need a baton you got this is like some big crazy event you should you should have something definitely that looks i don't know a little bit like a cool relay thing or something something that's going to be memorable and right so I made that, and we were originally going to put it in the PVC pipe that Liza made. Liza, you're awesome. And uh, just <laughs> does it seem like she has a little guilt that so, we have PVC pipe sitting in our house? So, well, it was going to go. I made it originally to fit in there, and I was going to just customize her idea and make that just a baton holder. But then the GPS unit was going to be too big, so then I had to make a carrying case to house the GPS and the baton. Mm-hmm. So that I made out of PVC too, Liza, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, but I, I I heated it in in front of this heater for like four hours to mold it. It was an eight inch piece of PVC pipe, like I don't even know, a real thick gauge too. And I hand molded that with a four by four and a piece of two inch pipe just to get the shape of the baton on one side and a big square block to fit the GPS battery and whatever else was going in there. And then I had to come up with different idea for end caps and 
was like, it'd be cool to have a little lock and a key on this. If they're shipping it, maybe they can mail the key to somebody and then nobody could just break into this and steal the baton with all these cool signatures. And I did all that out of like flat PVC and heated all that up with a torch and molded that. It was a lot of work. And then routing it and then and then I sanded it with some heavy grit sandpaper and painted it like mahogany wood to make it give it a little wood grain. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Done. Yeah, I didn't think the uh, the case was going to get that many. The case actually was more difficult to build than Baton was. It was a lot more, uh, lot more hand cramping and stuff going in there. Yeah, I mean, we were talking with Sarah about, I mean, I, I, I don't know the exact plan, but I'm, I'm guessing like, this the case in the baton is going to end up in the museum someplace probably i mean the, the, given given how big werewer is you know and then, yeah. then she, she was joking about yeah like the last person with the baton on the relay is gonna be like no i have it that's going in my living room <laughs> i'm putting this on the coffee table you know i'm pretty sure it's probably going to be in like haley's living room somewhere on a shelf yeah, right. on display <laughs> i was actually thinking of making a glass case or something for it i don't know and send it to her wherever it goes and they could just display mm-hmm. it in there that'd be cool that'd be cool what uh, what what do you think? What's your estimate? How many hours did you spend like on on the baton and on the case? Would you say? Oh man, uh, some nights I was out there till like two thirty three in the morning, carving this thing up. And then, well, I don't know. It was a lot of nights in here too at the the dining room table, carving letters and everything else. So I would say probably forty. Wow, more than that, like 80, 90 hours total. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a little bit of work. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, like I said, that was the, the like the, I'd started making little practice batons, but that was almost pretty much the original. Like uh, it just kept going. I was like, cool. It didn't get messed up. It didn't get messed up. <laughs> All right, cool. We're keep using it. So then it, that was it. Like that was the first main baton. It's, it, and then I'm building another one uh, as a backup, just in case anything happens to that one, which I hope not. I'd picked mahogany you know actually i think liza picked it i just gave her like three wood choices and, mm-hmm. and she but uh mahogany's really good with water and moisture and everything else just in case and this is before the whole case idea so i didn't know if they're going to be holding the baton in the pocket or something and right going through rain and puddles it wouldn't hurt it and then oh. we got indestructible yeah. paper i uh i was like we can get this really cool tear resistant waterproof paper to put in it rather than normal paper that could get wet and get ruined and rip or tear and anything like that so the paper was ridiculous, and I'm really not going to give a shout-out to the company because they didn't give it to us for free. We had to pay $55 for, like, 10, 12, 14 sheets of paper. Okay. I, I guess they're not, they're not a sponsor, huh? Yeah, yeah no, 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 but that was when right. we were That's baby right. where we're. Yeah. So oh, right. we put yep. that in there, too. And then, Actually, I like so. that baby where we're. <laughs> before before the recognition started to build you know because i see this some there's some pretty cool sponsors you know on the website i know harley davidson's a sponsor icon's a sponsor um we would in, in the last episode with sarah we were talking about gina had mentioned that she had just gotten uh, an email from cycle gear that they've now come out with a woman's gear catalog you know so saying hey maybe cycle gear will sign up as a sponsor so sure. hey, who knows so the um the scroll is that like kind of like rolled up and inserted inside the baton or how is that? No. Well, see, I originally had another idea of putting a spring in there, but then I didn't want to go away from the whole thing being made of wood and everything. I was going to make it retract. So they pull it out and it would roll back up. An issue with that is if they couldn't hold it and sign at the same time, they'd end up putting big streaks down the paper and with the mm-hmm. pen mark and everything. So I was like, I'm just going to make it so you could pull the paper out and then roll it back up with one of the end knobs. 
then now I think it's actually two of the end knobs that had to make it work out with it. So I had to add some washers inside of it later just because of the way the wood was and how the paper was rolling up. It's a little bit, I mean, it feels like real paper, but it's a little bit stiffer than real paper. So it doesn't really roll as tight as normal paper does. So yeah, right. I had to make it the area inside bigger and it was a, it was a nightmare. Gotcha. So, out and, so, and the, well, sounds like, well, that, it's always the final product. That's, that's the thing, right? It's like, that's what people know. And that's what we, you'll be known for. And that, you know, then you have podcasts like this, that we go into the details and tell the backstory. Right. But well, that was the thing. as like, long as it's out there traveling the world, man, that's awesome. I, uh, that was the thing. Like I, I got into construction and building things cause I like seeing the people's reactions or customers reactions when I got done building it, like, Oh, we really love it. Love it. So when I made this thing and like I said, I'm a guy, I'm not part of war whatsoever just passing this thing around and having the women not know where it came from. You know, I'm like, damn, I made this beautiful thing and nobody knows it was for me. <laughs> so you didn't put like secret, you know, initials someplace carved in someplace. I was going to carve my initials <laughs> inside, but it was such a rush to get it out. Ah, okay. Yeah. But my fingerprint may be in there. Oh, there you go. So dry epoxy. Yet, so <laughs> cool. So your mark is on it. Your maker's no. mark. <laughs> <laughs> so is the uh so then like the, sh the baton is like slotted kind of for the paper yeah roll to, in and, okay i had a hand cut like a v-notch groove in it and that was a, a nightmare in itself I can imagine so i had to try and get that as precise and perfect as possible without going through or messing anything up and then the the even harder than that was making the actual filler piece to go in that to sit flush with the baton that attaches to the paper and now the inside of the baton is already hollowed really thin to make this paper roll up inside of it so i had to make that little pull out thing really really paper thin and trying to cut a notch into that to set the paper in to glue it in was even more of a nightmare it was like i wish i had smaller fingers because it probably would have made stuff so much easier but, <laughs> gotcha <laughs> but that oh that probably took just as long just doing that little po portion of it probably took just as long as actually carving the whole thing so mm -hmm. i'm getting it all from start to finish the devil's in the details right yeah we're gonna have to get you like on a woodworkers podcast or something uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like a professional i mean i build things and do all that stuff and yeah. i couldn't like go to toe to toe with some of these carpenter guys like no that's not what that's called or you're not supposed to use that for that because right if I got a tool and it looks like it's going to work for this, I use it for it. And it usually <laughs> ends up working out. So. That's what matters. Yep. That's cool. All right. So um, a little more like a, a, about Warwar. And uh, Shauna, this may be more a question for you, but Eugene, I, I mean, obviously you're backing her up in this whole thing. So you probably have your own take on it. So what, what's been the most difficult thing so far ab about this whole thing, Warwar and being involved and managing it and like the biggest hurdle really as a a collective group there's been two main challenges the biggest one is the variance of cultures throughout the globe obviously we're dealing with many individuals languages we are facing political wars um monsoon seasons, things that I don't think any of us would have thought a year ago since we just started at the end of August that we would ever be thinking about and talking about on a daily ba basis. Um, visas, social unrest, 
learning all those intricacies in the various countries, the ability to ride, um, for example, in Iran, it's not illegal for a woman to ride on the road, but they cannot get a street license and you can't ride a bike on the road without a street license. Therefore it's illegal to ride on the road. Okay. Um, So, I mean, none of us knew any of this a year ago. Um, So learning that and navigating that and within all that, we really want everything to be fair and equitable among all of our members. So we go with in one direction thinking we're doing something fantastic. And then we learn about something that's not going to work somewhere. Um, Because it's just, it's the way it is, it's not going to work. And then we kind of need to redirect and adjust everywhere else as well. I think the other piece that's been really difficult is, I mean, we really are pouring our lives into this and we care so much and we are trying so hard to make it everything that it's become. Um, And conveying that information to 16,000 people (laughs) over 100 different countries. So we have just over 80 on the world route, but we have over 100 countries represented in our membership. Crossing all those language barriers and dealing with Facebook issues and making sure that really the heart and soul that we're putting into it is coming through and making sure that our information is understandable is also um, a a big sticking point for us. It's it's very difficult and something we continuously look to work upon. Yeah. Gotcha. That sounds like quite a challenge. I mean, from, from my side, just kind of as an outside observer, I know that the cool thing is exactly what's giving you the difficulties, which makes sense, right? Is, is the, the different countries and the different cultures, the flip side of it is like, for example, it was not that long ago that the baton was in Andorra. Now, Mm -hmm. I, which I believe is a small country between f- Spain and France, I think, right? Yes. Yep. I'd never heard of Andorra, right? And and so it's just interesting. Like, if it wasn't for Werwer, I would have never thought to Google, okay, where is Andorra? I, I never had even heard of it. And so just, so not only like the visibility of women riders, right? And, and the needs of women riders and that whole thing, but it's even just perhaps making people just more aware of the globe, you know, global issues and things like that. So that's kind of a cool side benefit. And then building upon that a little bit, watching the women cross these language barriers, these visa barriers, um, different political or religious or what have you, we all take all of that off the table to come together around our passion for motorcycling. The friendships are just growing from there. And to watch all that happen is, I mean, it's just beyond belief. It's amazing. Very cool. How about how about you, Eugene? Have you anything to add to that? I know you're you're not in the the midst of that mix of that. You're kind of just you know. He's a war war. He's a war war widower. Yeah. Okay. Is that that's that's the official term? War war recently, but uh. I thought that was Haley. Was it Haley? I think it was Haley. Haley. Should should we have like a we should start a support group like a Facebook page? Actually, that'd be pretty funny. (laughs) War war widows. You should probably start that. Uh, what was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I was just asking her, like, what's been the most difficult thing, you know, with Warwar? So just, I was just curious if you've observed anything or had anything to add to what she said. Uh, I don't know. I She usually handles things really, really well. So even if it is difficult, you can't really tell. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't, I really, I, I couldn't even answer that. She, uh, the most difficult for me is doing everything while she does that. <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. The support role. I got yeah. you. Well, it's awesome that you're doing that. It's not, it's not, it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously you guys make a good team. So that, that's really um, cool that you're involved in different ways, but that's really cool. I'm really excited for her. Like she's part of this huge movement. So she's really happy doing it. it makes me happy watching her be happy doing it. So, and it, it is, it's like changing the future. It, it's nuts. That all, this many women got together all over the world to do this huge, massive ride. And, and yeah. just that she's one of the women that started it. It's crazy. So yeah. That's, that's wild. And it's something I had mentioned in the last episode was it, it's kind of interesting because I listen to a lot of different motorcycle podcasts and, you know, there's a lot, been a lot of talk over the past year or so about, you know, motorcycle industry and what's going on and is it shrinking and, you know, the baby boomers are not buying Harley Davidson's anymore and, you know, all this kind of yada, yada, yada. And then you just look what happened with one woman in the United Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Came up with this idea. And obviously it's taken a lot of work from a lot of other people, but just look at the way this thing's exploded, you know, in a fairly short amount of time. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm not buying into this whole, yeah, motorcycling is doomed. And well, they said motorcycle sales are up now, so I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. It's really funny. It depends on the numbers you see. You know, um, I, I do know like the sales have been up in, in parts of Europe, I think India sales are up. So yeah, maybe the U S and kind of everybody goes by Harley as the barometer because you know, Harley's got like half or a little more than half of the market. So, and that's fine. And a lot of people ride Harleys and it's interesting because you see that on Long Island. I mean, at least half, most of the bikes I see are Harleys. But then I work in New York City, and I'd say, I don't know, maybe 5% of the bikes are Harleys. It's just, and I don't know if it's because New York is more of a melting pot and just people have broader interests or whatever, or just the bikes are more suitable for the city riding. I don't know, but it's interesting. I could see Harley being a little difficult to navigate through the city traffic. You, you, you do see it. I, I, I do occasionally see a big bagger in the city, but yeah, it's not more, more often I'll see like, uh, like ADV scrambler kind of bikes, Yeah, which, you know, knobby tires and the whole thing. You know, so we can handle potholes and, and ride up on urban like hooligan stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Urban off-roading. Yeah. All right. So, so where were, what, uh, what's been the most rewarding thing working with where were the year shine on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not 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 creating the baton. No, was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, I, that's all you, baby. I don't know. <laughs> um, obviously, I've already talked a lot about watching the membership grow, yeah. us achieving our goals as through all of the ambassadors' hard work moving through the countries, um, the inspiring women to get out there, ride more, all of that intrinsic value. And then also the relationships that I've formed between the team. That's where we're, um, because while we're all coming from different countries and different walks of life, and for some English isn't the first language, we all still have the same mindset and, um, we come together really well around problem solving and addressing issues. So that's been a real joy on top of all of the intrinsic benefit of watching what we're, we're doing um, and knowing that I'm a small part of that. 
Intrinsic. <laughs> five a five dollar word, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, and then uh, what? What do you guys like when you think about Warwar? What What do you think is in the future for Warwar? Like, where where do you see this next year, and maybe like in five years? Hovering batons. Oh, I like it. <laughs> No, we, they'll, we they'll, just, like they'll just like follow they'll just follow behind the lead writer yeah. kind of thing and then they sign themselves all you do is speak into it and it'll sign. <laughs> hello baton <laughs> right you'll have like google built into the baton or something yeah. i don't know if they would even let me build another baton we'll see <laughs> <laughs> well we'll find out next year i guess um we're meeting our mission, we're meeting Haley's initial goal. We're empowering and inspiring women. People are paying attention to what we are capable of. Um, we're making a global movement for women empowerment um, that's really organically grown. And I think we'll just continue to do so. Um, we will not be doing a world relay next year. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking newsflash no um just kidding because the main relay does not end until 2020 so i can assure anyone wondering there will not be a world route next year um we do hope to continue looking at the ripple relays and events um and we have tossed around maybe in four to five years um but we're focused on getting this one done first First things first. Mm-hmm. But I think where we're here and it's here to stay. And I think we're just going to keep doing awesome things. Cool. And th- I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, I don't know what the long-term planning is, right? And, you know, obviously that's something I'm sure you guys have started to talk about, but yeah, for sure. Like, okay, so good. So this, this year and into 2020 is the world relay and all that's awesome, but that doesn't mean that has to be the only the, the main driving activity, right? That's kind of what gets where we're on the map and makes people aware. And then the sky's kind of the limit, I guess, in terms of the direction it goes. Um, yeah, we kind of joke that we'll do where we're space 2025. I was just going to ask you, is where we're going to go to the moon? Is it going to be like the first <laughs> women, women will be the first riding motorcycles on the moon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, we're coming up on, a, on an hour. Um, I really appreciate you guys doing this. I've had a lot of fun. This this is actually the longest podcast episode I've done so far. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover regarding Werewer before we wrap up? Um, I think as far as Werewer, we covered the majority of it. Um, I know you covered a lot last week. Mm-hmm. And this week, the only thing that's pretty cool that grew out of Werewer, I was talking about organic growth, was... Um, I don't know if you, <clears throat> if Gina told you or filled you in about the bell exchange that just kind of popped up out of nowhere. The um, only thing I know is Liza, when she and I were messaging, Facebook messaging, she said something about the bell exchange, ask about the bell exchange. So I'm glad you brought it up. That, um, it, it took off like wildfire in the group that we have women from across oceans sending each other guardian bells mm-hmm. to protect each other on the road. And, I mean, the packages are getting um, somewhat more elaborate, but they're all very thoughtful with things from the local area. But it's just 
in making that sisterhood connection across countries by sending each other something that's there to protect you. Um, and it's started when we were baby warmer um, and it's definitely <laughs> continued. So that's a neat, a neat um, a side bonus of what we've been doing. Cool. Yeah. So just for, for any listeners not familiar with what a guardian bell is, and you guys can correct me if I get this wrong, but it, it's basically, it's just become a custom and there's various law lore about where it started, how it started, where it came from, but it's basically, I guess they're usually kind of pewter, right? Some kind of metallic bell with various designs that you, you're supposed to hang on your motorcycle and it's supposed to protect you from road trolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Road, yeah, road trolls, motorcycle demons, that kind they of thing. They get confused by the bell and get hung up in there. Yeah, yeah. It's actually interesting. I'd seen recently a, a, a post on Facebook about someone who showed how they had hung their guardian bell, I guess, under the bike, near their foot peg or whatever it was, and showed how when when they were leaned, fully leaned over in turns, the bell was scraping. It was like all polished off on one side because awesome. it, was, it was hitting the ground. Yeah, so. I guess it was doing its job. <laughs> so, uh, so Shana, if people want to contact you, what's what's the best way? Um, so any general information on where we're, the best thing is to uh, visit our website, womenridersworldrelay.com. Um, spend some time there. We have a gallery. We have the bike track. Um, we have all of our different routes, FAQs to answer questions. You could, if you're interested, read about the admins and some of our riders. And then you can find us on Facebook by searching Women Riders World Relay and take it from there. Um, We're also the same across Twitter and Instagram. All right. Awesome. Any any last words? Yeah. um, I'd just like to, uh, if I can, uh, the company I work at with Motorcycle Safety, the the actual course that I do or whatever the uh, rider training of New Jersey is mm-hmm. the, uh, the name of it. And they're currently looking for instructors. Oh, cool. So some, and especially women instructors. So you have to have your motorcycle license for two years and we're hurting on instructor. We're hurting on enrollment a little bit too. Last year we started flaking off a little bit so we can use everything we get. But, um, so yeah, if there's any women that are going to listen to it, that live in the area and want to, uh, get updated or get MSF certified, uh, check us out in ridertraining.org, ridertraininginnewjersey.org, I believe it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's it. And it's out of Camden County College, so. Not just women, men too. Men too, but <laughs> yeah. we need women, we need female instructors. If, when we get female students and you have a female instructor, they tend to be a little more relaxed and easy. Right. So it'll just push that even farther. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put the I'll put the website address in the the show notes for the podcast so people can find it. Oh, great. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'd like to thank both of you. I, I really had a great time doing the interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. uh, actually, may, maybe sometime in the future, if you guys want, we'll, we'll do another interview because I'd, I'd love to learn more, Eugene, about your work as a you know motorcycle instructor. And maybe we'll talk yeah. more about your motorcycles and stuff. Maybe version 2.0 of the baton. <laughs> when that comes out you haven't gotten enough uh, details about it man, I, have, I have way too many i have way too many invention things going on so whatever you want to know but i probably built it so. okay. gotcha cool all right well thanks a lot guys it's been a lot of fun and uh talk to everyone soon
Thank okay, you. great. Thanks, Chris. See you. I really want to thank Shauna and Eugene for coming on the show, being on this episode of the podcast. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening. So if you want to contact me, you can reach me by email at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. That's one word, so you want to ride. Also, you can visit my website at so you want to ride a motorcycle.com. And definitely please uh, like and leave me comments and a rating on your favorite podcast service. That'll help other people find my podcast. So currently the podcast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Just recently came out on Stitcher. Uh, you'll find it on Overcast. I'm trying to get it up on uh, iHeartRadio. I think it's close to being approved, but it's pretty much available on all the major podcast delivery services now. And also, please like and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. You can search for So You Want to Ride. You can be part of the community there. I've got some closed groups set up uh, for various things, you know, new riders and returning riders, experienced riders, instructors, and I've even got a little section for uh, motorcycle racing. So if you're interested, uh, you know, just uh, click on the link to, uh, to request to join the group, and uh, I, will, I will approve you for the group. So definitely participate in the community there. And uh, please help spread the word and help me build my online community. I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. You know, I'm on uh, episode six now, and I'm just going to keep it rolling. And uh, yeah, definitely write in. Let me know what you like and what you don't like. I definitely enjoy the feedback. I really appreciate it. And I will use that to continue to shape the podcast to, to what people want to hear about. So thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. 